Welcome to the Wamda Capital Podcast. This is our first episode, one of many more to come, I hope, uh, where we'll be hosting various guests from all over the MENA region and beyond. The objective is to spread knowledge and awareness about tech, tech issues, and startups here in the region. I'm Faris Gandur, partner at Wamda Capital, and with me I have Khalid Talhouni, our managing director, and Fadi Gandur, our founder and CEO. Fadi, do you want to start by giving everyone an overview of what we do at Wamda Capital? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Fadi Gandur. I am uh, the founder and uh, CEO of Wamda Capital. Uh, we have, uh, in the past uh, two years, set up, uh, we think, uh, the leading and most exciting fund uh, that invests in growth stage and seed stage uh, technology companies across uh, the MENA region, uh, focusing uh, on um, uh, Jordan, Lebanon, uh, Egypt, uh, UAE, uh, some Saudi Arabia, and a bit of North Africa. Uh, we've done so far uh, 12 investments, uh, on average one investment uh, a month since we did our first close. And uh, we are um, closing in on $70 million in uh, fund uh, size. And uh, we have a fantastic team. Uh, part of it uh, is based here in Dubai. Uh, another part is in Jordan. And we have a substantial operation in Lebanon that is uh, part of the Wanda Group, uh, which is uh, the famous Wanda and the original Wanda name, which... Uh, is the premier uh, 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 entrepreneurship uh, enabling uh, organization across uh, the region. Uh, uh, we can discuss them at a later stage, but they are part and parcel of our view of how do you build um, uh, a fund uh, that is associated with an organization uh, that actually helps and enables uh, the ecosystem and not only think of ourselves as, as uh, a fund or as contributors of capital and finance. Uh, we are an organization that is uh, entrepreneur friendly. Uh, we understand the market uh, like, uh, in my view, no one else. Uh, my history of building organizations across uh, uh, the Middle East and taking companies global is uh, something that is already documented i don't need to delve into so that's how we view our ourselves We're, we add value uh, we uh, invest uh, we help companies strategize expand uh, access to markets access to clients and uh, definitely access to further investments uh, from uh, uh, different uh, maybe private equity, maybe strategic investors. So we're deep in the region. We know it well. It's a region that is uh, growing tremendously in the digital space. Uh, and uh, the indicators and the uh, uh, regional uh, adoption of mobile uh, smartphones and, and internet accessibility uh, is uh, very well documented and very well known. So. Uh, we're here to uh, help it grow, uh, leverage it, and invest in it, and uh, effectively have an impact on the uh, digital economy in the region, and certainly return uh, substantial uh, capital and gains to our uh, shareholders. I think to add to what Fadi was saying, I think it's important that we 
give everyone listening a sense of our personality and what we stand for. I think we don't see ourselves necessarily as just another uh, investment firm. Really, our focus is around building the, the soft infrastructure necessary to have a vibrant uh, the technology and startup ecosystem. Um, as part of that, we have a wider platform we call the WAMDA platform that's involved in mentorship, uh, entrepreneurship support, advisory, research, uh, as well as its content arm. Um, we see us being kind of synergistic within that wider ecosystem of entrepreneurship support. So when we bring companies through our platform, we take them through the different areas where we can add value. Uh, one of them is, is, is through the platform, the other is through kind of very specific strategic guidance. So what is Wamda Capital's investment strategy? Yeah, so we, we invest uh, primarily at what we call Series A. And really for that, for us, that means, you know, an initial ticket of two to three million. Another kind of key hallmark of our investment strategy is our, um, is our insistence on having enough capital for follow-on financing. We think it's important to be able to take uh, our portfolio through successive rounds of financing, starting with seed through to growth. Um, so the primary, the primary function of the fund is to act as a growth uh, investor. Um, but we also have an allocation to do seed uh, in keeping with that successive rounds of financing thesis that I, I mentioned earlier. I think after the growth, what we do, um, you know, we start companies in the seed, at seed level, we take them through to growth, we then follow again, and then we hand, we hand over to our network and the, to other investors who can cut the 20, 30, 50 million dollar checks. Um, and I think that's something we've successfully demonstrated uh, in Karim, for example, in our recent investment Karim. Um, just to expand on that, I think we have a number of highly strategic LPs that bring a lot of added value to our portfolio companies. Um, so, for example, we have IFC, which is a globally leading institutional investor. We have Abraj, which is a global leader in growth market investing. We have leading family offices in the UAE, such as Crescent. We have one of the largest telcos in the region, such as Zane. Uh, all of these together really give us a, a great platform to add a lot of value to our portfolio companies and also create paths for liquidity for them where they're able to raise additional finance. Um, so that's our, uh, that's kind of in terms of our stage. Our geographic focus is um, really uh, MENA plus Turkey. Um, and, uh, and, and the way we invest is we don't believe that companies are country specific. Uh, we found that the most successful companies tend to be ones that um, that arbitrage the labor market of the region such that they have their low cost base in, uh, in, in the Levant or North Africa, but then their commercial teams uh, in the Gulf, out of Dubai and, uh, and Saudi Arabia. So um, it's important that we recognize that a keystone of our investment strategy is being able to take companies regional. And that's where we think we can add a lot of value given the backgrounds of the team. So we've been seeing quite a few larger rounds that the region isn't typically used to seeing. Series A tickets of 5 to 7 to $10 million, as well as a bunch that have been well over $50 million. And of course, souk.com's recent um, fundraise of over $250 million. What makes this a good time to invest in this region? 
The word inflection point is bandied around a bit too often, but I think the region has reached that point as evidenced by uh, mobile penetration rates, particularly mobile data penetration rates. So whereas in the late 2000s, uh, effectively the internet was a niche uh, industry, uh, the advent of cheap, affordable smartphones has really democratized uh, the internet to, to, to hundreds of millions of people in the region. Uh, and those hundreds of millions of people all want services, they want content, they want support. Uh, and, and, that, and, and so we're at this point where we can invest in, in, in that infrastructure. So what verticals are ripe for disruption and what sort of sectors is Wamda Capital focusing on? So we're, we're broadly opportunistic in our approach. We think there, while we do see a significant amount of deal flow, we think the nature of emerging markets or growth markets uh, necessitate us to keep an open mind because of just how dynamic they are and how quickly they change. Uh, so we're open to generally uh, kind of a very wide array of sectors. Having said that, um, we do have some areas that have emerged as early areas of focus, uh, fintech being one of the kind of primary areas. Uh, so why fintech? I think the, the idea is that wherever there is an underserved or not uh, an underserved market or a market failure uh, in an industry, that's where technology can help leapfrog it. So for example, if you look at the fintech, fintech landscape, starting at the banking side, the region has some of the lowest rates of banked and underbanked in the world. Um, there are hundreds of millions of people with no access to traditional banking um, for a variety of reasons that you know, we don't need to get into. But what that opens up is an opportunity for uh, asset light, internet-enabled businesses and technology businesses to fill some of that uh, gap. Um, you know, the latest estimates of the kind of credit gap in the region uh, comes up to $260 billion a year annually. Um, and and th that's just not well served by the market uh, uh, in, in, in the way it's structured today. So going through to kind of the SME side, this kind of credit gap also exists for, for small, small, medium companies that want access to credit markets. There simply is so little access to credit um, that, that, would that, that opens up an opportunity to invest in companies that can bridge that gap. So, so yeah, I mean, in terms of also the kind of shift gears a bit, the way we approach investing in sectors is we build investment theses around each segment. We, prior to investing in an area, we really kind of lay out what is the landscape and the value chain uh, within, a, within a segment. And then we identify uh, critical points of inflection within that for us to invest. And I think we've done that with FinTech and I think we're, we're gonna kind of soon publish that on our site. We're, we're looking now at content uh, and e-commerce to also kind of build out those theses um, and kind of share with, uh, with everyone like how we're approaching these investments. So let's talk about content. We have a bunch of industry incumbents that are, that are heavyweights that realize the opportunity at hand in terms of digital. They themselves are investing in digital properties, co-creating content with previously undiscovered talent. And if you look at retail, we have one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing e-commerce adoption rates globally here in the MENA region. What sort of trends and opportunities do we see in content and e-commerce that Wanda Capital can help facilitate? Uh, the, the content landscape in the region is quite interesting. Um, 
the nature of the geopolitical landscape in the region means that there are effectively 22 territories uh, to where 700 free-to-air channels broadcast. There is no one cohesive rating system for satellite broadcast in the region. It's reliant on surveys uh, that are more often than not not very accurate. Uh, and so what that has led to is TV advertisers really holding back on their um, spending on advertising, which in turn leads to a lot less capital available for commissioning budgets in the region, um, for commissioning original content. So what that means for us as, as venture investors is that there's a unique opportunity where, the in, where internet content businesses can fill a content gap and fill a content gap through a much cheaper content production cycle, plus uh, demonstrating clear ROI, just because of the nature of the internet, uh, to advertisers. And we think now is the right time to kind of enter into that. So um, particularly within kind of uh, co-producing content and then monetizing that content, uh, video, text, uh, cross-platform. Uh, in terms of commerce, uh, some of our earliest investments have been in marketplaces and uh, e-commerce. Um, I think for us, the key within those verticals is really to look at uh, niche focus, so very kind of specific vertical focused uh, offerings, um, high gross margin, relatively high gross margin, uh, and ca relatively capital efficient. Um, and within those businesses, we look to scale them to a significant size, but within their own niche. So we just need them to, to get up to uh, a point that, uh, that makes sense. Fadi, as the founder and former CEO of Aramex, uh, one of the only, if not the only, cross-border business, truly cross-border business that has been able to scale across 22 different Arab countries and beyond, what sort of tips do you have for tech founders and founders of businesses in today's world that can help facilitate their regional expansion? So the key uh, to Aramex's success uh, was the process uh, and very deliberate uh, act of defragmentation uh, of the market. So uh, if you look at Aramex today, it doesn't think of itself as uh, a country a specific uh, company, uh, neither in origin nor in, uh, in, in region. It's uh, a global company, uh, it transcends geographies, uh, and it positions itself as a player uh, that uh, addresses the challenges that the customers, whether B2B or B2C, have uh, in, in, uh, in the regions and in the markets that it chooses to operate in. Uh, that is at the core of why Aramex was successful today. And any company, uh, in my view, that is going to succeed across the region has to have a similar view. Uh, uh, very few uh, companies can be successful in scaling, and critical word is scaling, when they are uh, uh, country-specific. Uh, there isn't, in my view, a country, except maybe for Saudi Arabia and in various specific businesses where you can actually scale uh, in the tech space, I'm saying. But if you really want to scale substantially and position yourself 
for future either exits or for future uh, profitability or sustainability, uh, then you you cannot uh, think country specific and. Um, uh, even if you look at all the companies that have done well across the region, uh, let's take Souk or take uh, uh, Maktoub. Uh, so Maktoub, uh, you cannot think of it as a country-specific uh, platform. It went and said, we are the Arab world's biggest online community. Uh, Souk uh, does, positions itself as a regional, uh, pan-regional uh, e-commerce play. Uh, and that's why you see uh, scale, uh, you see volume, you see serious global investors, uh, you see uh, serious global players coming in and either acquiring or investing or wanting to be part of that, of that uh, space. Uh, so taking at the core of this the Aramex experience, because maybe it was... Uh, of the size that it is today, maybe it was a unique experience and, and the first experience as such. Uh, so if we take that and, and uh, take the elements of how Aramex grew and how Aramex was able to melt the geography across the region and, and, and render it irrelevant uh, and take that as a lesson for all the startups that, and the companies that we're investing in, then they're positioning themselves as as companies that are going to be successful. These are the companies, once you look at them and once you talk to them and once you look at their strategy, you will know very quickly that they're gonna be able to be uh, successful. And But it's also critical to know, as important as it is that you're in 22 Arab countries, uh, but you also need to uh, appreciate and understand uh, certain differences in these Arab uh, countries, specifically in, in which it depends on the business that you're in. So if you're in the content business and if you're in the media business, then you, uh, the localization and the, and the intricacies of different cultures and different uh, audiences that you have is important, even on a country level. Uh, in Aramex's case, we were delivering packages which had no uh, meaning to geography nor to cultural uh, norms. The businesses required a similar experience, and, and that was uh, something that, uh, that made maybe things a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, easier in, in one aspect. And lastly, anybody that wants to look at the region, uh, and look at its political and geopolitical and, and economic dependency on oil, uh, the digital economy is actually blunting that story. So on the one hand, there is the turmoil in, in one side, but there is also a digital disruption and an explosion uh, of startups across the region that is by, by far, I think, outweighing the negatives that are in the region. I would also say that because there is a bit of a shyness from global investors into the region or global companies to come into the region because they really don't understand it, I think entrepreneurs in the region and investors that understand the region should take that as a positive indicator for themselves to actually position themselves to uh, dominate the region and uh, make sure that whoever wants to come and start looking at the region, then they will find these already uh, available and uh, successful companies that have positioned themselves strategically uh, to plug uh, the MENA gap in the global uh, marketplace. And again, if you take the Aramex model, then Aramex did that. 
took advantage of this um, uh, of a region that looked risky to the world we uh, said no it's not risky this is business as usual for us when we're operating in the region and we we set out to actually uh, build that uh, mina uh, mina presence uh, that eventually appealed to such a huge number of of investors or clients or enabled us to compete with the giants that eventually came to the region because we already knew the region more than anyone else. We covered it all and uh, we were able to maneuver against all the uh, geopolitical and economic challenges across the region. That's how we look at all the startups that come to us today. Do they understand that story? Do they get it? Can they actually implement it? Will they uh, tap into our knowledge uh, in how to actually do this? And, uh, uh, and, and that's how we feel that they're going to be scaling. Yeah, I, I think to add to Fadi's point, I think he mentioned something very important about the oil price. I think there's a lot of bad press out there around, um, you know, a lot of doom and gloom around the, um, around the fact that oil prices have collapsed. Uh, and I think for us, obviously, there are some kind of negative... Uh, uh, there are some negative spillover effects from that. But I think primarily it is a positive story for the region. I think uh, um, what it effectively does is put the question of diversification front and center and the top of every agenda. Um, and the greatest um, engine for diversification of an oil-driven economy can only be kind of an explosion in startups. Um, so what this is creating is a lot of kind of system support for looking at entrepreneurship, looking at funds that invest in entrepreneurs, supporting entrepreneurs in different ways. Um, so, so generally, I think the, the collapse in the oil price is, 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 is a good thing for us and a good thing for the industries that we're in, in the long term. I mean, there's bound to be a bit of pain in the short run, but I think broadly speaking, I think the end of the era of oil uh, represents a great opportunity uh, for for the region for the region's entrepreneurs. So let's move on to valuations, and I want to discuss down rounds and what it is that entrepreneurs can do to avoid down rounds. In other words, why is it important to get the valuation right from the seed stage, in order not to run into a situation where you are forced to raise a down round? A lot of entrepreneurs are very fixated on the valuation question at, at every stage. Um, I think, you know, if there's one piece of advice we could give entrepreneurs, don't try to always maximize your valuation. And, and, the, and it may sound counterintuitive, but I think it's important to remember that valuation effectively is a function of future growth, right? It's what do you think the company is going to grow to uh, in future, till its next funding milestone, at least. So uh, for companies that are able to raise... Uh, at the upper end of their um, valuation range. Uh, that only means that when it comes to their next round, they have to demonstrate superior growth to everyone else in their class uh, to, kind of to, to, to justify that valuation. So many companies fall into this trap where, particularly in markets such as ours, where the market for investment capital is limited, uh, there's opportunities for outliers and, and, and the market is less structured. So for that reason, you'll see companies that are able to raise at much higher value or a much lower value than they should have. Uh, but what that happens is it really challenges the next round of financing. So on the high side, if let's say 
you know, company raises a million dollars at at a five million dollar valuation when it really should have raised the two million dollars. Then, at its next round of financing, the investors are gonna are gonna want to see what that growth looks like. And if the growth isn't there, then you have a real problem. You can you can have a bit of growth, but if you don't overachieve on your growth, then you fall into a gap. The other side of this argument is when you know you have basically predatory type of investors that come in at the early stage, take over 30, 40, 50% of a company uh, just because there isn't that much capital in the market. That's also uh, destructive to the uh, growth of a, of, of a startup. And, and the reason for that is you just wash out the uh, founders from the cap table very early on such that the follow-on investors are going to be less interested in the business because they, they don't want to invest in a business where the founder owns a small amount of equity. And we will not invest in companies where the find founder has been wiped out. Because I don't want to be investing in investors. I want to invest in entrepreneurs. And uh, if an investor thinks he's, he's great because he took 50 and 40 and 50% of a company, that's a recipe for an absolute disaster. Khaled, you and I have discussed this before many times offline. We both believe that the future of startup financing will not look like what venture capital looks like today, and specifically in emerging markets. Wanda Capital is positioning itself as the flagship venture capital firm in emerging markets. What does that picture look like in 10 years? Um, I think for us, and something we spend a lot of time thinking about is, um, you know, we use the word disruption a lot. Uh, we, in all the kind of investments we look at in our portfolio companies, we're always either looking for disruption or wary of disruption. Uh, but we should also be cognizant of the fact that disruption is coming to venture, to the way we invest, to venture capitalists. Um, if you look at the outlay um, on, of returns for venture funds in developed markets, in the, in the US particularly, you'll see that a very, very minute uh, uh, number of funds effectively take a massively disproportionate amount of the overall returns. And what that effectively means is the traditional kind of GP, LP investment structure um, uh, an investment approach uh, is, is, is challenging and only a very small number of, of, of funds are able to perform on that basis. Uh, I think when you, and, and, and a lot of their returns are also driven by the, by the, you know, by the home run model. Basically you get one out of, one out of 10 companies are, you know, 100x and then two out of three, two to three are maybe, um, you know, two to three X and then uh, the rest are either write-offs or you, you, you get your capital back. Um, in terms of emerging markets, we can't afford to think like that. And I think as part of that, we need to begin to understand uh, what the disruption to the venture model means uh, for us. I mean, you're already seeing a lot of emerging heterodox models. Um, you know, you can take on one side uh, fund like Andreessen Horowitz, where they have a, a huge operating team that works to support their companies uh, so that they can attract the best possible deal flow. You have the other side of the equation, someone like 500 startups that looks to invest uh, across a very wide cross-section of the pipeline, then double down as those companies uh, uh, grow. Uh, and then you have different models within that. I think for us, our thinking is, you know, going back to this integrated offering. We are not only a venture fund, we also bring to bear a lot of what our platform brings, which includes, you know, building the ecosystem necessary to be able to build uh, unicorns and, and therefore to be able to drive returns. 
So um, figuring out how to kind of integrate this model is, is really something we spend a lot of time, time with. On that note, what does the Wamda Capital portfolio look like today? So as we look at uh, the way we invest and, the and, and if you look at our portfolio today, you will find that we are effectively uh, setting the stage for uh, domination in, in, in our view, uh, investing in uh, number one players uh, or companies or startups or startups that are disrupting an industry and uh, they are the leading disruptors of that, of that industry. Uh, so for instance, if you look at uh, one of my early favorites, uh, if you look at Jamalone, uh, Jamalone is, is a company that is disrupting the book selling, uh, the publishing, and the, uh, uh, and the way uh, and the dissemination of information uh, and digital uh, content in terms of books uh, across the region. They've raised the most money in that space for themselves. Uh, they are growing substantially now. Uh, they've uh, introduced print on demand. Uh, they are uh, penetrating several geographic markets uh, across uh, the region. Uh, they understand the big picture. Uh, they, uh, they have a, even a B2B uh, uh, proposition. So uh, they tick all the boxes uh, that we like and, and they're gonna be the major player in that space. They're already also connected globally with players uh, that are within their space. So that's the type of company uh, we like. And if you look at our portfolio, and maybe Khalid can elaborate further, is every single company that we've invested in uh, is in many ways uh, the leading company in the space that we are investing in. So whoever wants to come either to invest, to plug in the MENA gap, uh, from a global perspective, or even an investor that says, I will only invest in leading companies. So they're already uh, uh, with us. They're already part of, of our partner companies and, and the companies that we, we are helping grow across the region. Um, wherever we invest, we always invest in either the number one or number two uh, player, uh, both by absolute size um, either in revenue or, 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 or users or, or what have you, or in terms of trajectory, in terms of where they're going, um, in terms of their overall growth rate. Uh, we look at companies such as uh, Karim, for example, uh, is the leading transportation app in the region. Um, you look at uh, Mums World, Luxury Closet, they are both leading uh, e-commerce sites within their own respective categories. Um, compare it for me as well is innovating the nature of financial services in the region and, and, and that of insurance and is a leading company. We also look at unique type of offerings. So we've done a couple of uh, enterprise or B2B uh, type of investments. The first is uh, News Group, which has since rebranded to Karma. And effectively, they are the only media analysis and monitoring tools uh, for corporate. The other B2B business is Arabia Weather, which is, you know, uniquely the only regional weather business that builds solutions for different industry verticals, including aviation, oil and gas, marine, uh, etc. On top of their existing B2C app. Um, another kind of interesting area for us really at the earlier stages uh, is Shopco. Shopco looks at uh, democratizing e-commerce 
for uh, for for small medium enterprises. What they effectively do is give small businesses the tools necessary to start selling online. On the early stage, we've also invested in Office Rock, Boxit, and Vault apps. Each of these form kind of the nucleus of our of our emerging seed portfolio, uh, and we're quite excited to. Um, start announcing these investments uh, in in the near term, and really kind of publicizing what these businesses are doing. Uh, we've done one outlier investment, which is little bits. So this is outside our geographic focus. This is a U.S.-based company, but with a Lebanese founder. Uh, and little bits really spoke to our thesis of disruption. Really, kind of entering into companies that are disrupting a very specific industry. Um, so Little Bits is a um, educational business that that effectively gives uh, people the tools to really understand how to how to build electronics, um, and and really does that in a gamified fashion. So that's kind of opening up that area, effectively becoming the uh, Lego of the 21st century or the Lego of electronics. Uh, and we're very excited about that business uh, as well. On that note, thank you so much for tuning in. Looking forward to our next episode.